Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Welcome back to Bang Bang Cult. And uh, in order to keep our holiday tradition alive or holiday spirit, we're going to do some holiday folklore today. Yes. Very excited. All right. Let me flip the coin. Oh, Oh, yeah. I need to bring that quarter upstairs at some point. Well, this one works for now. All right. Here we go. It is heads. Yeah. Woo. Okay. So today I'm going to tell you guys about Birchda or Perchda or, um, yeah, those are mostly the two names she goes by. Okay. So (laughs) there were a lot, but those are the main two. And so Birchda's origins are ancient Germanic. However, one theory suggests she was worshipped by ancient Alpine Celtic tribes before the Germanic tribes because her attributes are seen in multiple goddesses throughout Europe. Okay. Yeah, so it's thought that she is like a part of this stems from all of that. I don't know. It's all over the place. There's like five different stories. I feel like that's how this all works. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Folklore just stems from other folklore. Exactly. So uh, one specific Germanic goddess uh, they think is the same deity, Holda, also known as Holdra, Holda, or Frau Hall, 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 something like that. Sounds good. <laughs> she is the northern German aspect of Birchda. So Birchda is more of the southern German goddess or folklore um birchda is also associated with the ancient fertility goddess nerthus the wild hunt god birchtold and with woden which is the germanic form of odin okay she might have been the same deity as diana hecat i don't know why i can never say that <laughs> uh, uh, Abundia or the Italian Christmas witch La Bifana. There's an Italian Christmas witch? What? Yes, I almost covered her, but she wasn't like, I don't know, wasn't wouldn't have been long enough. We'll have to look into that. That sounds fun. It's really kind of cool. Um but Birchda is closely related, I guess. Okay. So these winter goddesses shared a lot of characteristics and are often spoken of as variants of the same goddesses. Kind of like how in Hinduism they have different variations of gods that are like the same god. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> it's So it's thought that these goddesses were early ancestors of Santa Claus. Oh, Santa So this is kind of where Santa Claus is thought to have stemmed from um, because they're associated with the home, spinning children, and gift giving. Not spinning children, spinning and children. Okay. (laughs) I think spinning is – I didn't look it up. I meant to, but I feel like it's like spinning wool or spinning thread. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. Um. So, and gift giving. So, that makes sense. Yes. That that would turn into Santa Claus. 
Yep, yep, yep. Christianity transformed these goddesses into minor magical figures and concentrated their appearances to during the 12 days of Christmas. They were originally much more prevalent within the winter solstice, winter solstice during paganism. Um, so throughout this transformation, though, Birchda retained the strongest association with the Christmas season. Before Christianity, Birchda was a beloved goddess who protected babies, children, and women. Aw, she's a good one. Uh, she was a good one. Jacob Grimm wrote about her, and within his writings, um, he talks about how in past Germany, Birchda was a psychopomp, which is a guide to the afterlife. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and she cared especially for babies and children's souls. Wait, so was she a good one or a bad one? A good one. She was like, she would come after a baby or a kid would die. She would okay. come guide them to the afterlife and take care of them. So she's like an angel, not like. Yeah, she was like an angel kind of. But not like the angel of death, but kind of. <laughs> no, like a helpful one. Yeah, okay. They were going to die anyway. She just. Right. Helped them through the transition. Got it. Okay. Yeah. She gently led them to the next life. So in one tale of Birchda, a grieving mother spotted her recently deceased little boy following a group of children along a hillside. Uh, the children are following a motherly woman in a white gown. The boy breaks away to address his sad mom and in his hands, he shows her a bucket of water, which he says is his mother's tears. Then he tells her not to weep for him, for he is safe and sound under the white lady's watch, which is Birchda. Okay. Yeah. Sad. So she was a good one. It is. Good it's one. very, very sad. But a bu bucket of tears. Oh. A bucket of tears. Meh. But it was okay because he was okay. Yeah, he was safe. Yeah. So because of her association with the cycle of life, death, and rebirth, Birchda wears a belt with three golden keys hanging from it. The three keys represent the three cycles, birth, death, and rebirth. Um, she had long black hair worn in braids on the sides of her head and wears a long white gown. So that's why she was referred to as the white woman or lady in white. Makes sense. It does. Uh, in later tales, Birchda appears as a hag or a crone, an elderly woman in disheveled dress, and in some stories uh, has a goose foot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so this could indicate Birchda as a triple goddess, maiden mother, maiden mother and crone, or some people also think it could demonstrate the demonization of her name with in the rise of the church. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, Christianity had to stake yeah. their claim. A little bit, yep. So, Jacob Grimm wrote about Birchda's cult, and it was centered in southern Germany near the Black Forest. 
through the Alps of Switzerland into Austria, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, and into France and Northern Italy. And that was before the rise of the church. So she had a pretty big following. Makes sense. But after the church's rise to power, um, Birchda became less and less godlike. And this was in the Middle Ages. So she was no longer worshipped as she had been before because of her widespread cult, though. The church had no other option but to demonize her because they just couldn't get rid of her. And they demoted her from a goddess to a witch. Of course. Yeah. Wasn't that so nice of them? So kind. Uh. So the cult of Birchda was outlawed in Bavaria in the year of 1468. And according to the Thesaurus Popperum, um, that sounds a lot like, like a Pope's Thesaurus. It does sound like that. <laughs> so leaving Birchda offerings during Christmas time was also forbade. And documented by church officials in the same century. So you just weren't allowed to worship her at all. Lame. Anymore. So lame. Uh, When the church came against pagan pagan customs that it couldn't absorb, the only way to get the pagans to convert was to use fear. As we see a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Birchda was demonized and turned into a crooked-nosed witch and the leader of the Perchton, which I'll explain a little bit more. Um, There were tales of Birchda, the witch who captured children and ate them, similar to the tales of Krampus. There were tales of Birchda, the Christmas hag, who would stuff the bad kids into her giant sack. Mm Mm-hmm. Birchda was said to roam the countryside at midwinter and to enter homes during the 12 days of Christmas between Christmas and Epiphany, which so that's like starting at Christmas and ending like January 5th, 6th ish. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was especially true of the 12th night, which was her feast night, I think. Um, So. Since Birchda was a patroness of spinners, one custom demanded that women cease their spinning work during the 12 days of Christmas out of respect for her. Another custom advised that each house consume a traditional meal of fish and gruel. Ew. Okay. Oh, yeah. Fish. I, I mean, I guess I kind of have an idea of what gruel is, but. Well, this is know. like. I mean, it's back in the day, which everything was probably gruel then, so it wasn't that Yeah, it's true. Uh, so that was on the 12th night. Okay. And leave the remains as an offering to Birchda, so they had to leave a portion of their meal for her. They're like, like that's like, gruel. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, right? A lot like Santa Claus and his cookies and milk. Oh, Yeah. Except if a household didn't offer food or if they ate something else, Birchda would cut open their bellies and stuff them with straw. Okay. So you yeah. better eat that fish on the 12th day. <laughs> exactly. And leave some for Birchda. Mm-hmm. 
She would know whether the children and young servants of the household had behaved well and worked hard all year. If they had, they might find a small silver coin the next day in a shoe or pail. If they had not, she would slit their bellies open, remove their stomach and guts, and stuff the hole with straw and pebbles. Yikes. Yeah. It's extreme. A little bit. Like, going from, like, an angel to, like, this hag. Yeah, that's going to slit your bellies. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, for not eating fish. Like, I'm allergic. What do you want me to do? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Mothers would sometimes threaten their children that if they didn't behave, birch dough would come for them, which, I mean, that makes sense. Right. That was the point of a lot of these tales was to frighten children into behaving. Exactly. So she had a nighttime procession um, that I guess was pretty frightening. And, but in passing, she and her followers actually bestowed fertility on the fields below. And what followed her in her procession was uh, the spirits and, were spirits and souls. So like she was collecting spirits, I guess, or they were following her. Not really sure. Okay. Um, but that's what they call the Perchton. Got it. Yeah. And in some German-speaking areas, the night when she was most likely to appear, the Twelfth Night, was called Perchtenacht. Okay. Perchtenacht? I I don't know German. It can help you. (laughs) I should know it better than I do. (laughs) It's real sad. No judgment. (sighs) Um, So it's believed by some that she led what's called the Wild Hunt. So this is a part of that thing with the procession of spirits. The wild hunt is a procession of spirits, witches, and demons that ride through the sky on certain nights of the year, collecting the souls of the dead. Some tales say that these are the souls of the recently deceased. Others say that they're fairies or devils. Uh, Birchda became one of the wild hunt spirits. In most tales, she became a leader of the Wild Hunt alongside Wotwin or Birchtold. The Wild Hunt was a folkloric derivation, because I can't say that word, (laughs) of an old pagan belief in God procession, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, The ancient pagan gods rode their horses in the clouds at night, either waging war with one another or to benefit the people bringing, they were bringing them abundance. Um, And if we compare Birchda to the Italian Christmas witch La Bifana, both rode through the air during the Christmas season bringing abundance. But, you know, in the case of Birchda, also slitting bellies. Yep. Stuffing it. Is that where, like, stuffing a turkey came from? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and if we think about Birchda as a psychopomp or a guide to the dead, it makes sense that she was part of the wild hunt because she was sweeping up the souls of the departed. And then those, the wild, they think that the wild hunt became the Perchton or the souls that followed her. Mm-hmm. Um, so in contemporary culture, 
Perchta is portrayed as a rewarder of the generous and a punisher of the bad, particularly lying children, which goes hand in hand with the Christmas spirit. Yes, it does. Today in Austria, particularly in Salzburg, where she's said to wander through Hohen Salzburg Castle in the dead of night, the Perchten are still a traditional part of holidays and festivals. The wooden animal masks made for the festivals are today called Perchten in the Pongau region of... That cannot be how that's pronounced. <laughs> that sounds more Asian than Austrian. Pongau? I don't, I don't know. Region of Austria. Yeah. Of Austria. Large procession of um Schoenperchen, which means beautiful perched in, and oh god. Sh- I didn't look at this word before I <laughs> uh shack perched in. That cannot be how that's pronounced. It's S C H I A C H. Perched in. Uh, sounds good. Yeah. It means ugly perched in. Uh, it's held every winter and they're, they all wear these beautiful masks that are said to encourage financial windfalls and the ugly masked are worn to drive away evil spirits. Okay. So it's kind yeah, of like so a, they're both. But, yeah. I was just going to say it's <laughs> kind of like a totem pole but like in a parade. Exactly. And they both do positive things. Right. I like it. Yeah. So here's another thing. Some also believe that Mother Goose is a modern version of Mother Birchda. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Birchda evidently was flanked by geese and her counterpart Holda wears a goose down cape. Uh, Birchda shakes out her goose down blankets to create the first snow each year. She also has either goose feet or one large goose foot in many tales, which is just, I don't, why? (laughs) Um, because, so also because she's a guardian of children and a guide of baby souls in the afterlife, it's thought that the good memory was passed down in the form of an old woman who kept children's stories alive. So, in the form of Mother Goose. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So, that's, like, I feel like it started out good, it got bad, and then now it's okay again. I mean, she's a goose now. She went from an angel to a goose, but, you know, it's still good. (laughs) It's better than a witch, angel, witch, goose. Really, goddess, witch, goose. Goose. Yeah. All right. She went through a journey, definitely. Yeah, she's definitely been through it. But that's it. That's all I got. There was so many different stories about her and different goddesses that are related to her, but this was the most concise I could come up with. All right. Um, okay. I kind of want to celebrate Birch to now. I'm all right, do it. Let's do it. All right. Let's, sounds good. We'll just uh, walk down the street with a bunch of masks on and be like, hello. <laughs> yeah, and leave out fish and gruel on the mm. 12th night of Christmas. They won't smell at all. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I decided to do Hans Tropp, who is the boogeyman of Christmas. Uh, Actually, funny enough, he's from the same region that you're talking about. And he's also from the same time. 
But so he was from the Alsace and the Lorraine regions of France. So the northeastern part of France, bordering Germany and Switzerland. Oh. And it is said that Hans accompanies Santa during Christmas time. So while Santa's delivering presents, he's delivering beatings. Oh. Yay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's my kind of Christmas. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. So according to the legend, Hans von Trotha was born in 1450 and he died in 1503. He was a knight that was given two castles in the Palatine territory, which included territories of both France and Germany. And the people of the region knew him to be very vain, heartless, and cruel, which is shocker, a rich aristocrat being a bad person. Weird. Yeah, right? Shocker. Weird. Uh, His only goal was to grow his wealth and his power. And it is believed that he actually worshipped Satan and used black magic and occult rituals to obtain his health and hold his wealth and to hold on to his power. So... I didn't realize that Satanism was like happening, but it makes sense because it goes hand in hand. But yeah, I yeah. think it's always been happening. Yeah, but I think this is when they started like talking about Satanism and like being a part of Satanism, like and writing about it more. Okay. So he was one of the OG Satanists. OG Satanist. Oh yeah. Uh, he had many disputes, including a dispute with an abbot over property and possessions. In one of the castles he was given, it was originally given originally the monasteries and the mo- the abbot refused to give it up. And just so everyone knows, an abbot is the head of the monastery. Yeah. I had to look that up. So just, <laughs> just so everyone knows. <laughs> uh, so obviously Hans was not happy that they were refusing to give him his property. And so to, you know, get back at them, he created a dam, which stopped the water supply to the village below. The abbot complained, and to make up for it, he Hans tore down the dam, which flooded the village. Oh, well, that was nice of him. Isn't he such a kind man? So kind. So, so kind. So Hans then began to attack the abbot, and... The emperor then got involved, and he tried to persuade um, Hans. Wait, to there stop. was an emperor. There was an emperor too. Yes, I know. I'm like, I, I don't know where this came from, but yes, there's an emperor involved in this story oh, as well. Okay. So you know, the abbot was like, "I can't deal with him." So the emperor was like, "Yo, I got you." But then not so much got you because he couldn't persuade Hans to stop. And the abbot then went to the Vatican, to the Pope, to be like, yo, can you help with this crazy person? Huh. Yeah. Again, so now the Pope's involved. Literally everyone's involved in this story. The Pope summoned Hans von Trotha to be questioned about his loyalty to the church. And he... Hans decided to decline his visit and instead wrote a letter to the Pope accusing him of immorality. Hmm. So that's a way to respond. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the Pope was not happy. And in response, he Hans was excommunicated and he had an imperial ban 
uh, placed upon him by the emperor. And it is said that he died two years later of natural causes. But this is folklore, so obviously his death was uh, tweaked a little bit in the history. Short-lived, maybe? Yeah, a little bit. Just a little diff. But it's, yeah. So in the versions now, it is said that when he returned back to the region after the ban, he was ostracized by the local people and his money and land were confiscated. He was left with absolutely nothing and was forced into the forest in the mountains of Bavaria, Germany. Huh. Yeah. And clearly being a rich man. I mean, man, that makes was, sense. Yeah. Like, you've, all right, well, you've now drowned us. You've, like, ruined all, taken our water. You are just not a very nice man. So, bye. Bye. So, okay, bye. <laughs> uh, of course, being a rich man, uh, he had had everything done for him. So, living in the forest was not an easy task for him. It oh, yeah, said that would that, Right? Like, you've had everything done for you now you're like cool i'm in the mountains i don't know what to do yep so it said that he built a shelter made of wood or out of sticks sticks in the mountains where it snows i'm sure that went real well mm-hmm. uh and of course not only did the elements get to him being alone in the woods for so long drove him to become mad And he spent so much of his time planning his revenge against the people and he, his belief in Satanism began to grow and he began to crave the taste of human flesh. Oh, of course. Delish. Guess we haven't seen one in a while. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how this works. I mean, I feel like he's probably like, first of all, he's becoming mad because he's by himself. He's like in freezing cold like kind of dying and he's probably becoming not normal so now he's like okay i want to eat something yeah yeah so that makes sense in a weird fucked up way yeah i'm not saying i agree with it but i can't imagine like that being me i'm sure i'd go crazy too yeah i mean i probably wouldn't start eating people i don't don't know what i would do i don't either probably i don't start dancing naked around a fire that would definitely happen for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it what would happen. Well, let's just hope that we never find out. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so he began. Hans began to roam around, and out of fear of being recognized, he began to dress as a scarecrow, and he would stuff his clothes with straw. Which, yeah, so he's like this crazy man running around as a scarecrow in the woods, which would be terrifying. <laughs> Uh, in one legend written by a local author August Becker says this is his cute little legend he wrote uh, once a young maiden ventured into the forest of dawn to pick berries when she was far away from home a man suddenly burst out of the thicket probably the robber baron Hans Trapp from Berwastein Castle Uh, the man clearly intended to rob the virgin of her innocence so the young maiden grabbed up her skirts and took to flight, but the villain came ever closer to her. In her panic, the young lass failed to watch where she was going. All of a sudden, she found herself panting for breath at the edge of the precipice with the houses of the town far below. Without stopping to think, the young maiden fell over the abyss, 
And now the miracle happened because her skirts ballooned out and let her float down gently. She survived the leap entirely unhurt. And ever since at the spot where her foot landed, a spring has flowed. Huh. Yeah. So now there's a spring and he's like chasing women. Not so great. So he's, you know, being a great guy. (laughs) Such a good guy. So good. And in another story, it was believed that he was out roaming and he saw a 10-year-old shepherd boy shepherd boy in the woods and his desire to eat him became too much and soon he was chasing after the boy with a sharpened stick and began to attack him and then eventually murdered him. Oh. He then took Yeah, sorry little baby boy. It's not nice. Not no. so nice. He then took the body back to his shack where he roasted the boy over an open fire and he planned to eat him as a snack. Just a, a little snack. afternoon delight. Delicious. That's a snack. I can't imagine how big this guy is. That's true. Okay, so maybe just like a little bite and then he's going to savor it for a while. <laughs> That's Ugh. what they all say. Exactly. Just this one bite and then the pizza's gone. Yep. You know, it's fine. Uh, So as soon as he went to take his first bite, a bolt of lightning came down and struck Hans. He then fell and hit his head and was instantly killed. Good. So bye. Bye. So many believe that this was God's way of preventing the crimes of Hans. And so the legend was then formed that the parents of the region would warn their children that every Christmas, Hans Trapp's spirit would come back dressed as a scarecrow with a hood to enact his revenge by abducting naughty children into the forest where they would never be seen again. Oh, I'm a fan of this one. I'm definitely using this one on my kids. Uh, isn't it great? So if you're going to be a little shit, then guess who's going to come and take you? A scarecrow, gonna- man. Yeah, he's going to come eat you. The Christmas boogeyman. <laughs> So, yeah, the children of Germany and France, don't be naughty or you'll be a snack. Or just come to the U.S. where you'll get coal in your stocking. Yeah. Being eaten, Seems you know? like a much better uh, trade-off. A little bit. But yeah, to be good. fair, being eaten is a much better threat. It is, like, right? I would be like, okay, I'm going to be good. I won't do bad. Yeah. But, I mean, having Santa, he knows when you're sleeping, like – I, I was always that actually scared me enough too. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. It is a little creepy. <laughs> it's real creepy. Uh, but yeah, that's the Christmas boogeyman. Ooh. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. It's been fun. Yeah. Um, you know where to find us? Instagram. Uh, at Bang Bang Cult, also on Facebook, and our email is bangbangcult at gmail.com. Hit us up. Right, I- and uh, like us, all the things. Yeah, and have a happy holidays. I guess this is yeah. our last recording of the year. No, we have one more. We have one more. We're not, you're not done with us yet this decade. Yep, not yet. Not yet. All right, guys. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.